Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Jim Garrity is on vacation. Rob Long, contributing editor at National Review Online, co-founder of Ricochet, co-host of the Glop and Ricochet podcast. Busy guy uh, in for Jim again today. And Rob, we've got a good slash bad martini and I think two crazies. But uh, we'll let the... It's <laughs> uh, an improvement. <laughs> we'll let the listeners decide. The good slash bad, as we get started here is kind of like uh, the bad martini that you and I shared on Monday where the L.A. Teachers Union didn't want to go back to class until we have Medicare for all, defunding of police, wealth taxes, moratoriums on new charter schools. Those ideas, of course, and those demands are ridiculous, but at least they're now reading the silent part out loud. And so we know uh, where these uh, teachers unions have really been all along. They're finally actually being more honest than they have been in a very long time. And today that's true of the Green Movement. Uh, the Green Movement for years, of course, Rob was saying, look, we're not trying to radically transform anything. There's just better ways to do things. Right. Green technology, renewable energy, these <laughs> right. are the keys. They were going to create millions of jobs in these areas. The economy is going to boom and we're going to save the planet. It's going to be awesome. But no. Uh, here we go from Vice. Green economic growth is a myth, Rob. Subhead, there are no realistic scenarios to make the economic growth demanded by capitalism compatible with a safe climate. Researchers who advise the United Nations found. Big surprise there. They say as societies get richer, they consume more resources. That also means they generate more pollution, driving climate change and destroying natural ecosystems. And essentially their, their theory here, Rob, is that to make things more efficient and theoretically save energy and, and resources and the climate and everything, you've got to keep developing new technology and that's going to consume more resources. So even your drive to become more efficient is going to make things worse. And so therefore capitalism cannot be compatible with uh, saving the planet, and therefore capitalism is the one that's got to go. So I'm, I know you're shocked, but what do you make of them actually coming out and saying this? Well, this is good news for us, because at least now we know we don't have to worry about that level of the argument, you know, that first door you have to enter. I am a strict Freudian, okay? So I believe in projection. And, and whenever anybody says anything, my first thought is, okay, what does this say about you? Um, that helps me get through uh, Trump's tweets. It helps me get through a lot. Uh, for years, these leftists have been talking about late-stage capitalism. Late state, it's all I've been saying, late-stage capitalism. When, in fact, that's projection, because what we're seeing is really late-stage socialism and late-stage environmentalism. One thing these guys are, are terrified of is that in the worldwide pandemic, everyone has now seen what it looks like when the economy slows down. I mean, if you liked this economic slowdown, you're going to love the Green New Deal, right? That's, that's, that's kind of what they're saying. And they've always promised that, no, 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 there'll be more jobs, more jobs. But, of course, we now know that's not true. They've kind of always known it wasn't true. And they, they are now in their late-stage game because I think a couple reasons. One is because um, people have realized that you know, America actually manages to hit its targets pretty easily without signing up to cockamamie environmental rules. The other reason, really, for this is that they've discovered that 
that people uh, are, are distracted. Like, they, you know, all the environmental, all the climate change articles of the past month and a half have been, been basically about saying, hey, remember, climate change is still pretty bad, too. People have other things on their plate. When they have other things on their plate, they, they start to notice bigger patterns. The bigger patterns are the environment is actually getting cleaner. It's actually getting better. Pollution's going down. There are more forested acres in America than there were 100 years ago. So all of the uh, the, the, the calamitizing and the uh, drama queens and the climate change movement are terrified. Uh, and sometimes when people are terrified, they inadvertently blurt out the truth. And uh, it's always a good thing when people tell the truth even if it's something you don't want to hear, but often it's something you do want to hear. And we've always wanted to hear them say this, which is that they don't like prosperity. And the question you have to ask yourself is, do you think our problems will be solved by economic growth and development of prosperity and innovation? Or do you think they're going to be solved by global regulations on output? If you think the former, then you're uh, sane. If you think the latter, then you're an environmentalist. Depends what your goal is, though, right? I mean, if you want a dependent society, then this is great, at least yeah. for a while, until there's no there's no capital to to keep uh, right. dangling Walker in front Thatcher's of people. Phrase, you run out of other people's money. Yeah. Well, but look, if you want to get rich um, and you want to get rich being an environmentalist and, and, and creating a better environment, there's one way to do it, and that is the risk economic system of capitalism, where you 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 get people invest money in the scheme and you hope it works, and if it works, you get rich. If it doesn't, you got broke and you try another scheme. What do you make of this happening on so many issues now, Rob? Is it just a matter of end stage modern liberalism or modern uh, end stage modern socialism? Because it's not just on the green issue where they're saying, "Okay, yes, we are going to have to destroy capitalism. But it's also, you know, we don't want to take away your guns. Okay, yeah, we do want to take away your guns. Uh, It's just about us being safe in the classroom. No, it's really about getting all these liberal uh, wish list items done, too. Oh, we don't want to ban all energy exploration. Well, yeah, pretty much we do unless it's renewable. So everybody's coming clean now, which, again, is, is good that everything's on the table on so many of these issues. But we see how insane they are now. So I think for a long time they knew they were insane. So is this just a matter of so many people coming up now through the university system and believing in Bernie that they actually believe that they can win the argument now? Or why else is is everybody deciding now to say, yeah, this is what we're all about? Well, I think it's part of the reason. The other part is that, um, you know, look, if you get two or three right wing kooks together and I include myself in that organ in that group. Uh, at some point, someone's going to start complaining about the liberal media. And the liberal media is terrible and bad and biased, and all those things are true. On the other hand, it does create this weird bubble cocoon around the left so that they actually think they're winning. They actually think that people think the way they do. And the only way to remind people that they're insane is to expose them. But in this case, they've exposed themselves. They don't think that it's weird to say they don't uh, they're not in favor of, of uh, economic growth. They don't think that's weird. We think it's weird. But if listen, they've been in their tank for so long that that to them, they normally when they're with their friends, they get nods of agreement. Um, it's only when these things are aired out that you realize that, oh, my God, that's a weird thing. I said a weird thing. It's like, you know, when, you know, when you're in a family and the family has a weird little private joke and somehow it gets somebody says it outside the family and everybody kind of looks at you like that's a very weird thing to say. That's kind of what's happened. The family, the left wing family is large, but it's not that large, uh, just large enough for them to fool themselves, which is good for us. All right. Let's talk about our two crazy martinis now, starting <laughs> with your governor. Yes, your governor. I know you didn't vote for him, but he's still your governor. Hey, and my governor is Ralph Northam, so I really can't talk. But uh, Andrew Cuomo in New York, 
the bizarre victory laps going on here, Rob, are just unbelievable. I'm sure you've already bought your poster that Andrew Cuomo designed of Mount COVID or whatever he called it and how he and New York uh, pulled together and now we're on the other side of the mountain and so forth. But uh, now he's just smugly declaring himself the victor here and all the other governors uh, who have far less uh, numbers of cases or hospitalizations or deaths are somehow the idiots here. Uh, And now uh, Cuomo is declaring that his state is somehow the haven, the refuge for people in other states that are now having to go back into more restrictive conditions because he did it right and none of the others did because they listened to Trump. Here's just a bit of what he said. The problem is you have it increasing now in 40 states across the nation. How do you keep the virus in 40 states coming from New York? We now have people coming to New York fleeing the other states because it's the quote-unquote safe state. So we have people coming here just for the purpose of fleeing the virus in their state. Now, I know they have to quarantine for 14 days, Rob, but are you elbow to elbow with all these refugees from other states? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like he's reminded me a little bit of when he's uh, he's like Trump. Remember when Trump is terrified of the caravan coming north? Remember that was a big thing, the caravan? He's like, the caravan's coming to New York. Uh, you mentioned Victory Lab. I mean, look, Victory Labs are completely legitimate to take, but you kind of first have to have a victory. Right. Otherwise, it's just rude. <laughs> the New York death rate, COVID death rate, is four times the national average four times so um look i have no statistics for it but i think the governor doesn't either i don't think anybody wants to come to new york if they do what are they going to come for the the schools are going to be closed the restaurants are still closed we have to eat outside which is actually okay but it means there aren't any tables everything is pretty much still shut down i don't i don't I'm not quite understand i don't really understand you can't see a broadway play you can't go uh, there's no outdoor concerts there's no, none of the stuff that people come to new york for is actually in new york right now so I'm not quite sure I understand what the big attraction is. But it is what is amazing to me is that all of these uh, politicians have learned something or maybe something crazy, they've, they've, a behavior they've adopted from Trump, which is to simply say something really loudly that isn't true and keep saying it. And eventually, uh, you know, the press will just be cowed. There is no pushback against Governor Cuomo in the press. There is. There, a, every now and then someone will say, well, you know, I mean, obviously sentenced a lot of old people to death. But in general, people are sort of happy to have a happy story to tell about a politician that they can support. And that's what Cuomo is sort of going for. It's nuts. As a, as a resident of New York City, I can tell you, um, it's still really, really troublesome. Governor Cuomo should spend his time figuring out how you explain to small business owners how they are they are liable, personally liable, for all of their rent, but they may not open their business. That is essentially what New York State has told small business owners. You must pay your rent. If you do not pay your rent, the, your landlord is able to go and, and get your own personal assets to pay that rent or to pay off the, this lawsuit, but you cannot open your business. Rather than giving a press conference, uh, Governor Cuomo should su- settle that problem because I know a lot of small business owners that are absolutely up against it right now. And uh, the governor seems to be too interested in crowing and taking victory laps and in solving this is a really going to be a really big problem. Well, if you can create a depression and win an election, then you can start <laughs> your, your new deal, whether it's the Green New Deal or FDR 2.0 or whatever it is. I don't, I don't know if that's exactly what they have in mind. But the exit point on Andrew Cuomo... Um, this is more of a personal observation than anything that he just said. 
But do you get the sense that Andrew Cuomo acts like he's talking to five-year-olds when he's uh, giving a statement? It, it's like he's, his, his voice goes up and he speaks more slowly, like he's trying to explain, you know, how a car engine works to kindergartners. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a little bit off-putting. I don't know if that strikes New Yorkers that way or not. Well, I mean, it does. It's off-putting to sort of when you and you're sitting in your, you know, desk or you're in your house and you're watching it. But I, I, in this case, I absolutely do forgive him because he is talking to the equivalent of kindergartners. He's talking to the state government press corps, um, <laughs> the people who cover state government here. They, they, you, you do have to talk slower for them. That's for sure. All right. Well, let's talk about our second crazy martini. And as crazy as Cuomo is, I think this one might actually be crazier. This actually was reported Last week, Rob, the city council in Berkeley, California, and you got to stop right there and, you know, okay, yeah, Berkeley, right <laughs> this University is of California. Like hunting dairy cows, they say. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is ground zero for uh, insane leftist political thought. But nonetheless, this is actually a true story. The city council in Berkeley, California, approved a measure Wednesday, and I think this is a couple Wednesdays ago now, to eliminate police from conducting traffic stops and instead send unarmed civilian city workers in their place. So according to Berkeleyside.com, the traffic stop proposal introduced by a council member there aims to ensure a racial justice lens in traffic enforcement, quote unquote, and to find ways to reduce or eliminate what they call pretextual stops based on minor traffic violations. So... Rob, how robust do you expect the applications to be for unarmed civilian city workers in Berkeley, California, knowing that they're going to be conducting traffic stops with no means of defending themselves? <laughs> um, I look forward to this. I have to say, the the thing about Berkeley is Berkeley's got that's a, a town I know pretty well. So Berkeley is a place where you've got crazy local government, crazy hippies. You've got a university town, so you have basically lunacy. But you also have on the hillsides, especially because it's the Bay Area all over, but the hillsides especially, you have incredibly wealthy people in incredibly wealthy, expensive houses. These are, these are multi-million dollar houses up and down the hills. They're beautiful. It's a beautiful place, actually, Berkeley. You have a classic problem where you have people in the Bay Area who are rich, who want to believe all sorts of things. And then you have people down further down the hill who are insane, who want to believe all sorts of things. And then you have the poor people who have to drive on the streets every day. That's where literally where the rubber meets the road. So this will be a very, very interesting exper experiment. I hope they do it. We need to have this experiment. We should have it someplace where at least it will provide some kind of comedy, which is Berkeley. But we have to figure this out because as long as these, uh, what we, you and I understand as crackpot notions are being brooded about, Someone's going to have to try it. We're going to have to have an experiment and point to it later and say what a failure this was. The larger issue, just if I can get on my soapbox for a bit, the larger issue about having one set of people do everything, uh, one cop, you know, you call a cop because there's a noise in your, in your neighborhood. You call a cop because somebody stole your car radio, maybe. You call a cop because somebody's, you know, the domestic violence, robbing a jewelry store. Those are all different kinds of emergencies and the idea that one person is going to be trained to handle all of them and be able to handle all of them, that's kind of crazy, right? They already separate parking enforcement from everything else because parking enforcement is a revenue generator. So, you know, in New York City especially, there's, there's no shortage of people driving around little electric cars putting tickets on cars, right? 
So they already understand the idea of output input and who you have to do what job. So the idea of having special traffic police isn't such a terrible idea. But the idea that they're going to be, you know, what trained in nonviolent negotiation or some kind of like, you know, Reiki reflexology in case you're too. I mean, this, all that is so fantastically ludicrous that we can only hope that they do it. Let's find out. I think you and I know what's going to happen, but it couldn't happen to a nicer group of people. I feel bad for the people in that area, but then again, they did vote for these people. So uh, here's what the mayor said. There may be situations where police do need to intervene, and so we need to look at all that. That's like right out of Lenin. <laughs> you got to look at all that, obviously. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Don't worry about that. Uh, there's also a 50% slash of the police department's budget, and instead of police doing the traffic enforcement, they aim to stop using police for homeless outreach and mental health crisis calls. And in its place, the council plans to create an unarmed community safety coalition called the Specialized Care Unit. And as soon as I read that title, I just need to hear the dun-dun from uh, Law and Order <laughs> in Berkeley, California. The police can't be trusted to do minor traffic yeah. violations and to reach out to the homeless. These duties are left to a special group of people known as the Specialized Care Unit. These are their stories. SCU. Yeah. SCU. Law and Order SCU, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm going to be uh, squishy here. It is a smart idea to separate all of these things. They're different threats. They're different levels of emergency, and they have different requirements of training. But, um, you know, what we know about homelessness in this country is it is – almost entirely caused by drug, alcohol, abuse, and mental illness. Um, and if you are restricted in what you can do for homeless people, or frankly to homeless people, by all sorts of civil liberties, as uh, you know, former Mayor Rudy Giuliani learned uh, in New York. So the, the solution to, that, to those problems isn't going to be a new kind of person, a new kind of job. The solution is going to be sort of a larger, honest look at what causes people to live on the street and that is something that you know the left wing and the socialists in general are just ill-equipped to do because it really requires you to um, focus very very hard on one or two things rather than what you're what you want to focus on which is late stage capital <laughs> bringing it all back to the where we started very good rob yeah, exactly. that's uh, like that's that? putting a bow on it that's see this is a guy who knows how to yeah. put a wrap on an episode see uh yeah this is a tag it's right well done sir well done rob thanks for being with us we'll see you again tomorrow Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. Rob Long, contributing editor at National Review Online, co-founder of Ricochet, co-host of the Glop and Ricochet podcasts. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Please do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch. Leave us a kind review with five stars, please. And don't forget to get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. And most importantly, please join us again on Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch.